Coming up, it's philosophy talk. During the course of this radio show, you could get your own genome sequence for maybe $1,000. That will happen within the decade. From bioprospecting to designer genes and synthetic life forms. Welcome to the brave new world. We have a hundred trillion combinations of our genetic code. It's not just one. Are we wise enough to create synthetic life forms? I think we're afraid of those ideas. Uh, we have a challenge of science education in this country. That's one of the biggest challenges we face for the future. Our guest is noted scientist and entrepreneur Craig Venter. We're very good at funding things we know the answer for in this country. My genome sequence is on the internet. I'm not the least bit worried about it. Recorded before a live audience at the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. The promise and perils of the new genomics. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today, we've taken Philosophy Talk on the road. We're recording the program in front of a live audience at the Smithsonian Institution here in Washington, D.C. Our thinking originates at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And from that oasis of thought, we migrate to this oasis of the air, and from the air to the internet via our blog, theblog.philosophytalk.org, where our motto is cogito ergo blogo. I think, therefore, I blog. Go check it out. Today's program is made possible by the Smithsonian Associates. The good folks at Smithsonian Associates heard our program on the web, and they decided to invite us here to give a live program to the Smithsonian. We're very pleased to accept their invitation and delighted you folks chose to join us. Folks, welcome to Philosophy Talk. <laughs> Our topic today is the promise and perils of genomics. John, I mean, I think we're entering a great new age. We've mapped the human genome. We don't quite know what all the genes do, but they're going to figure that out. And once we figure that out, I mean, it's just going to be in a marvelous uh, decade, couple of decades, century of invention and discovery. It's going to be amazing. Well, it will be amazing. It's an incredible intellectual accomplishment to understand the informational architecture of, of all life, including human life. But your optimism, as usual, uh, I don't exactly share. I really admire your, your kind of um, indefat you know, unquenchable, juvenile enthusiasm for <laughs> every new discovery that rolls down the road. But uh, usually humans discover things long before they have the social, intellectual, and moral institutions to deal with them. And you say, once we understand how the gene works, well... Once we really understand how the gene works, we probably will have been fiddling with it for 50 years and caused all kind of damage. Uh, think of the dams that were built before we understood the environment and ecology. Think of atomic energy and all the things that were done before we really realized the dangers of radiation. I, I, I grant you, you know, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. Lots can go wrong. Wisdom doesn't always keep pace with knowledge. And you're right about social institutions. I mean, think of this. To make these genetic discoveries, uh, often people, uh, people, scientists have to go prospecting for raw genetic material in the, in the developed world, because that's where all the raw genetic material is, or lots and lots of it. And the third world countries like say, we own that stuff, and the biotech companies say, we're going to make the patents, and it's a huge mess. It's a huge mess, and who knows where it's going to lead. So I grant you there are problems and 
perils, but I, I, I have to admit, I am utterly optimistic. I mean, the advance of science can't be stopped, and it's unbalanced a darn good thing. Don't well, you agree? Not particularly. I agree with it. It can't be stopped, and I think it's a very impressive thing. I, uh, probably by the time we are ready to harvest all the genomic resources of the third world, which mostly stretches around the equator, uh, we will have warmed it up due to the unanticipated consequences of the Industrial Revolution at such a point that they're all dead. Yeah, but some biotech company will have engineered some bacteria that can, that can take all the bad stuff out of the, out of the atmosphere and we'll be saved. So yeah, the ocean will be full of genetically modified bacteria that absorb all the CO2 and it'll all work out. Well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> like you, I'm a cup is half well, full kind of guy. I just like to look and see what it's half full of. Well, you know what, for some... <laughs> For some expert opinion, why don't we talk to some scientists on the front line? And that's what our roving philosophical reporter, Polly Stryker, did. She files this report. Scientists finished sequencing the human genome in 2003. They described it as a narrative of the journey of our species through time and called the map of human DNA a textbook of medicine. This sounds terrific, but what's the promise of the genomic revolution? And is there a dark side to cracking the code of life? The promise of gene therapy is very clear. If you could introduce a new, quote, good, unquote, copy of a gene to replace or overcome a, uh, quote, bad copy of that gene, then you could cure uh, a genetic disease in a, uh, an infant or a, uh, an embryo. Huntington Willard is director of the Institute for Genome Sciences and Policy at Duke University. There are a number of genes that have been identified for a large number of cancers for breast cancer, ovarian cancer, prostate cancer, lung cancer, various brain cancers. And that information will take us to an era of true health care as opposed to what in this country we now have, which is actually sick care. So what happens if I find out from my genome that I'm predisposed to breast cancer? You wouldn't have every woman going for a mammogram on their 40th birthday. Some women would need that on their 26th birthday. Other women might not need that for another decade or two. And so you would actually personally tailor health care um, specifically related to their personal genome characteristics. Mapping the genome allows scientists to work on altering genes, like engineering T-cells to fight cancer, or correcting faulty genes like cystic fibrosis in utero. And then people begin to get a little concerned from a philosophical uh, point of view about what is the nature of of us as humans in our genome, and if we interfere with that, are we, in a sense, playing God or, or making decisions about what the genome should be that are inappropriate for us as human beings to make? The fact is, our very ability to map a person's DNA raises ethical issues. Do we have safeguards for storing private information like that in an electronic format? Who's going to get this information and what are they going to use it for? The fallout from this is that there's been an expansion of DNA databases, both in the health care system and also in uh, the area of criminal justice. Sujatha Bhairavan is president of the Council for Responsible Genetics and a molecular biologist by training. She agrees with Dr. Willard and raises other concerns about the use of genome data. You know, there has been a resurgence of discussion around uh, race, and uh, criminal behavior and that, uh, as you can imagine, uh, has led to sort of the reappearance of discussions on eugenics. 
and I would predict that it is leading to class-based medicine. Does Bhairavan think the mapped human genome is a Pandora's box scenario? I don't know how one can go back. That is not possible. Maybe we can expand our discussion of the role of other molecules in determining our biology and uh, perhaps acknowledge that uh, this emphasis on DNA and this enormous amount of money that was invested in this uh, was perhaps not a wise decision. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Polly Stryker. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.